Well, good morning, Grace Church. I wanted to give you a quick update on everything that's happening here around the church. Nothing is happening here around the church. We are shut down just like you guys. We are observing the 30-day stay-at-home order that our governor just put out. Uh, we got that word yesterday, so we are uh, going to comply with that. We're going to stay close through the month of April, and we'll hopefully see you back in May. Uh, hey, while we're on this lockdown, if you will, don't look at it so negatively. Look at things uh, through the lens of what, what blessings has God hidden throughout all of this for you. Uh, I know many of us are finding rest. Many of us are being forced to stop working in the way that we used to. Uh, maybe that's a good thing for a season. Uh, look for the hidden blessings that are all around you during this time. If you're a uh, community group leader, well, I just want to remind you, please reach out to your community groups, check on them, see how everyone's doing. Uh, and if you're somebody who's not a part of a community group or you're watching this and you're saying, hey, nobody from my church has reached out to me, well, you reach out to us using one of the links below. I would love to personally reach out. Uh, if you need toilet paper, I'm going to go get some toilet paper and I'm going to throw it at your house because I'm not allowed to come close. So I'll have a little fun with it, uh, but we'd love to be there for you. We'd love to support you. We are praying for you. Uh, I never thought I could miss church or you know miss coming together in the building as much as I do. So I miss you guys like crazy. My wife and I and my kids are praying for you in between bouts of insanity. So uh, we, we love you so much and uh, we hope to see you soon. Good morning, Grace Church, and welcome to Church Online. We're all online together. Uh, by the way, I hope you invite somebody, invite someone to come join you online. I know there's Facebook groups, people that are meeting on there. Uh, you can watch us here on our website, on YouTube, wherever you're watching. Thank you for joining and thanks for being a part of this. Uh, we are in a series on Galatians that we've been in since January, okay? So we're working our way towards the end. Uh, we've been working through this amazing letter that Paul wrote uh, where he, he's getting to some of the best stuff, right, in my opinion. I mean, there's all kinds of good stuff throughout the whole thing. But man, when he gets to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and he hits us with, with this whole concept of freedom. Uh, I mean, it changes everything, and it, and it really shows you uh, that what you believe should cause you to be free or to feel free. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. This morning, uh, we are going to talk about the meaning of life. Have you ever wondered what the meaning of life is? Well, I'm going to give it to you this morning. I'll tell you what, if you type in on you know, Amazon, the meaning of life, there's over 10,000 CDs and books and all kinds of stuff that will populate there for you to look at, including Monty Python, if you really feel like watching The Meaning of Life there. Uh, but what if I told you that the meaning of life is actually super, super simple? Super simple. And it's simply this, faith working through love. Paul's going to say that all that matters is faith working through love. Now, we're going to unpack that and look at that a little bit uh, today. But before I get to that, I want to share with you just a quick story. Uh, uh, in preparing this message, I had no idea that my 94-year-old grandfather was going to pass away. Uh, Papa, as I knew him, his name was Harry, uh, was a phenomenal man and somebody who I loved and, and my mom's dad and she misses him and all of that, but he is now in his heavenly rest and so we really wanted him to go. That sounds weird, but you get it. Uh, it was time. Uh, he wanted to go and now he's there. Well, of course, for me and my parents and all of us, it's emotional and, and all of that, but, but for my kids, it was their very first time seeing somebody die and so, or watching their bodies stop working. Um, and so anyway, so they were there and they were watching and of course it hit them and impacted them emotionally. And so we got home at night and I, and I got to share with them. I said, okay, out of the three parts that make up who we are, you know, you have a body, a soul, spirit, uh, this experience that we know. Uh, I said, so what part of Harry died? And they said, oh, okay, well, his, his body. So in other words, Harry's still living. And so we talked about all of that and where he is and how we're all together. 
You know, the Bible says there's this great cloud of witnesses. In other words, we're all in Christ. Uh, his body bears witness, I believe, to, to what this body is up to and doing. And, and anyway, I, I, love, I love the idea that I can be praying at night and, and knowing that, yes, God hears my prayers. And in God, in him, is Harry, is, is all of my loved ones. And, and we're all still together as one. And so as I'm sharing all this with my kids, can I tell you that their, their eyes lit up and they got filled with hope and they suddenly said, oh, okay, and, and they put a little flowers next to their bed and a picture and, and, and they, they don't feel like he's gone as much as they understand it's just for a time. But this is exactly what we're talking about. It's, it's when everything gets stripped down, when everything comes back down to the basics, you see what the meaning of life really is. All that ever really truly matters is going to be faith working through love. Faith, God's divine persuasion to convince you to believe. Faith, this mechanism by which you do believe and you say, God, I, I am persuaded by faith to believe is what God gives to you and he reveals to you through love. Jesus was the expression of love that we first get to see it by. But then that comes to live within you and me. And now you and I get to know the meaning of life and we get to share the meaning of life with the entire world, which is faith working through love. So have you ever wondered some of these questions maybe? Maybe, maybe the issue is, is that we grew up. Kids seem to have an, an easier time with some of these concepts. But maybe you've asked yourself this question, God, do you really love me? Maybe you said, or how, how do I know how I'm doing spiritually? Am I growing? Am I, I was once taught that if you're not getting closer to God as if you can, uh, that you are falling away from God. And there's like this, okay, I better be doing things for him. And, and, and I mean, do you ever have those kinds of thoughts? Do you ever, do you ever get stuck in those lanes uh, where, where you are maybe even worried that maybe, God, I am missing out on your will for my life, or I'm missing out on something. I'm, I'm concerned that I, I, might, I might get bound up again in some kind of sin. Or You ever get like that? Oh, I got some good news for you. It comes from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul says, It was for freedom that Christ set you free. It was in his view that he saw you free. And for that reason alone, he said, Oh, I'll do the cross, I'll do the whole thing just to have them free. So how free are you? Well, we're going to talk about that because this might be one of the most important scriptures in, in the Bible. And I'll tell you why. Because Paul's going to say it this way. He goes, look, it's for freedom that Christ sets you free. Don't be entangled again. Don't, don't get all messed up in all of this again. And put a yoke of slavery around your neck. If you picture an oxen with a heavy yoke around its neck to help it steer. Did you know that people want a yoke? You know that whole verse that says itchy ears, you know, and stuff, and people make that about whatever they feel like making it about, really. But really what I believe, I'll do the same thing, what I believe that's really about is we really want law. We really want, I mean, look at what the Israelites said when the law was presented to them. We got it. We can do it. Sign us up or we'll be cursed, you know. And God's like, wait, what? what? You know, like this, is, this is who we are. We, we really enjoy having a part in all of this. And mixing law and grace has many forms. Let me give you the latest form. I heard somebody say that, that what Paul is encouraging us to do is to observe the law. That yes, we can't keep it. God keeps it for us and all that. But we are to observe it, be guided by it, let it lead us, let us help us to see how spiritual we are or how we're doing or whatever. And I'm telling you right now, that's not what its purpose is. And the scriptures couldn't be more clear on that. Instead, you have been set free because the law keeping work, the work of keeping the law, was finished by Jesus. He said that. We talked about it in the part about being fulfilled. 
right? He, he says that I, I have finished this, right? This is one of his last words before dying and then being resurrected by the Spirit into this brand new life. And here's why Paul says, look, this freedom that you have is going to be under attack by a yoke of slavery. There's going to be a desire for you to be entangled. You may say, that's crazy talk. How in the world can I be, uh, uh, how would I, why would I ever desire to be a slave? Well, the thing is, is that it's addictive, uh, combining law and grace. It's addictive because you start seeing more sin the more you focus on it, and the more you eradicate, the more you feel like you're doing good. And, it's, and the next thing you know, you're not resting. You're not enjoying all the things that God has given you, the fruit of the Spirit and peace and all that. You're too busy just trying to make sure that, that you're, you're not in the wrong place and that you're in the will of God and, and everything's going okay, and, and you, can, you, can, you can go crazy with it. And so he says, it's for freedom that Christ sets you free. This is why Jesus came. That not just that he would remove the obstacle of sin away from you, but he would remove, the Bible says, the decrees against you. Everything condemning you or pointing at you, the law doesn't condemn you. It doesn't point at you anymore because the life that you have is his. The fulfilled law is within you. It's, it's his life. Uh, it, it, you perfectly resemble that. So this is why he came. Anything else would be to talk about the elementary principles of the world. We're going back to the old stuff. We're going back to the things that went away. We're going back to Lego blocks and things on the floor instead of building incredible uh, things for God. I don't know. That was a weird analogy, but you get the blocks and all that. Uh, so let's talk about then what is this thing that keeps us? What is this thing, that this meaning of life, if you will? Well, it's faith revealed through love. But we're, we're, what we're revealing, this love that we're seeing, is unlike anything you've ever seen before. What we're really talking about is God's grace. We're talking about his outstretched arms, his love for you, all in uh, uh, offering life to you, offering every blessing to you, offering everything you will ever need. Like, this is grace. It's not mercy. It gets confused sometimes with that. Mercy is within grace. You, he's merciful because he is graceful. Like, this is how these things all play together. But he is so in love with you. And so that is what saves you, what holds you, what keeps you, what strengthens you, which helps you. It's all about grace. It's all about his love. John said it when we saw him. What we saw was grace. The reality of grace was within him. It was him. <laughs> we saw it for the very first time. What we saw was faith working through love. So Paul says this, he goes, look, Galatians 5, verse 2, Behold, I, Paul, then, say to you, that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You don't get to just pick and choose which laws you're going to keep. You have been severed from Christ. Those of you who are trying to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Again, he's telling these Judaizers, look, all that you guys are trying to do, you are actually falling away from grace, moving away from the grace of God and trying to do this on your own. So he says, listen, uh, for we through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope or guarantee of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything. There's no Jew and Gentile, male, female, all of those distinctions. Anything separating us is no more. And in Christ Jesus, what we have is all that matters, he says. It means anything. is faith working through love. It's all that matters, he says. Look, the Judaizers were preaching the same message that ruined me when I first became a Christian. When I first became a Christian, I believed that it was, uh, that it was definitely up to me 
uh, to keep what God had helped me with. And I didn't believe I could lose my salvation, but I definitely believe I could lose relationship, that they could be broken. That, and that all comes from the same teaching the Judaizers were teaching. It's, it's why Paul was so mad with the Galatians. He's saying, guys, what happened? You were free. You didn't have those thoughts anymore. You never thought God was disappointed with you or upset with you. or You were living under his lavish grace. You were living in this place. And he says, I don't get what happened. And they were telling him to go back to things that were physical. And he says, if you're going to go back to that, then you actually fall from grace. And you, you take this gift that God gave you and, you and you give it back. And you say, hey, I want to pay for it. I want to pay for that gift. If, if, and we can turn it from a gift into a work. And the work is finished. There's nothing for you to finish. Uh, look, there's one thing, if you, wanna, if you wanna think of it this way, there's one thing that Catholics, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, by the way, uh, brothers and sisters and all, all, all around, okay? Uh, but uh, but these, all these people have things in common. Catholics, uh, Jehovah Witnesses, uh, the snake cult out in the, out, in the, out in the woods, you know, that are doing that, the legalists, uh, uh, the, the Jehovah Witnesses, I mean, all, all Muslims, everybody. They've all got one thing in common and even the Cleveland Brown fans have this in common. I know, now I'm trying, I'm really trying to offend everybody here. Look, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you're already offended, okay? Like, I don't even know what happened this year. Uh, you don't either, so you get it. So everybody in that group has one thing in common, and that is God plus me doing something uh, will get me there, will get me what I want, will give me eternal life, right? So every other religion has very similarities, uh, similar things here. Um, do this, believe that, give that, sacrifice that. It's all the same, okay? It's all the same in just, just different ways. Uh, the Cleveland Browns at this point, you're, if you're a fan, you are absolutely believing that God, maybe me, plus sitting a certain way on my couch, plus, you know, uh, throwing some holy water over my shoulder will get us to some kind of a win. I mean, you get, I'm a Magic fan, so I mean, we're, we're in similar boats, I understand. But, but all of these camps are so different than what God comes to offer us through Jesus. All, it's not about you at all. It's about God. You know, uh, right now, there are many people that are ending their celebration of what is called Lent. It's asceticism. It's, it's the idea of, of humbling thyself and, and to show God all kinds of things. And listen, I don't mean to offend, but you really need to hear me. Uh, that's not freedom. That's not demonstrating freedom. Freedom is saying, I don't need to do anything to demonstrate that my flesh was failed. My flesh was so bad uh, that, that God took it and, and crucified it to Jesus. So no, I, no amount of dirt's ever going to show that. No, instead, it's not that I am nothing without Jesus, that I am this pitiful, poor wretch without Jesus. Although that's true. If you don't have life within you, then yes, you are wretched. You have no life, okay? But, but that's not the point. The point is, is that you weren't nothing. Jesus didn't come die for nothing. He came and died for someone. He loves you. And he wants to live with you. And so that's why he did all of this. And so, no, he doesn't need your help. He doesn't need you to put things on your face or to demonstrate or to do certain holidays or to prove how serious you are. He knows your heart. And in fact, the Bible says that you're obedient from the heart, which means that he gave you that heart. So he knows. He knows what you're thinking, too. He knows those sinful thoughts in the flesh and all that. And he took all that away on the cross 2,000 years ago. So be free and live freely. Many believers are deceived, unfortunately, into thinking that God is pleased with your law-keeping and in, in, in observing the law and being guided by it and, and following it and all that. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that you would ever do the opposite or you'd run out and go like crazy with it. But the idea being is like, oh, this is what pleases God. It makes him happy. And that's, that's not true at all. 
You've not kept the law one day in your life. You've not observed it really one day in your entire life. Because the Bible says that one infraction, you've trespassed on all of them. In other words, it doesn't matter at that point. So bragging about any of those things doesn't even make any sense. No, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so you need grace. You need him. The worst part of legalism is it keeps you from receiving the very thing that you need, which is just to relax and rely solely on him and his effort and his strength and what he finished on the cross for you and for me. All right, I want to give you an example of this. I've got a, uh, I've got a fun little thing here. So uh, this bulb was really cool looking, I thought. Uh, and, and I want this to, to demonstrate your, your life, if you will, but it's also going to be love, okay? The idea is that love burns the brightest. It's, the, it's what God has placed within us. God is love, and so if love fills this up, it's going to shine bright, all right? Here's the cool part, is that the Bible just told us, that Paul just told us that all that really matters is faith working through love. And so I want this to be that demonstration today. Uh, if this... If this is representative of God's life, okay, power, okay, the only life-sustaining force in the whole, you know, anything reality, uh, this is what we need to be plugged into. And so because of Jesus, we are. And so the cool part is, is that when we are in him, something cool happens. This blinding light comes on that I need to move away from my face just a little bit. But this is what happens, is suddenly the entire world can see the love or the life of God. Faith revealing itself through love, faith revealed through love, that we get to see because of love. People get to see faith. You know that whole thing, it's invisible, it's the evidence of things unseen, that whole deal? Well, people get to see it through love. Faith revealed through love. So all of the persuasion, all of the things that God's telling you, all of the things that God is leading you in should look like love. Why? Well, it's the meaning of life. It's all that really matters is demonstrating love to the world. Yeah, but Javen, I need to show the world, uh, that I need to show them about sin, and I need to show them about, about how wrong they are and how, what they're doing and this and that, and, and you're, a, you're, a, you're a what kind of pub, you know, political party, and that's not going to demonstrate anybody, anything good to anybody. I guarantee it. This is unmistakable. It's almost blinding. That's what light does, is it shines into the darkness. And that's exactly what this world needs. This world needs faith working through love. It needs to see Christians' uh, love. It needs to see the love that drives us. They don't need to be taught it. They don't need to be taught they're sinners. They don't need to hear more about that stuff. They need to hear about love. Go show them this, this unmistakable love, and they will see God's grace through it. That was a good part to clap. If you guys are clapping on the, on the live stream, you can type up a clap right there. Um, <laughs> this is all weird, right? But we're learning. Uh, this word, by the way, I like this word working. This word working comes from the word inner, inner geo or energio or energy, right? You hear the word in there. Uh, and here's what, it is, here's what this word means. Grace working through love. So working. It means the operation of revealing God's activity. See, there's no mistaking it. You may not be able to see electricity. I, you may not be able to see the very life or the source of power that's going into this. And you say, how am I supposed to believe in God? How am I supposed to see that? Faith reveals it through love. Suddenly you say, oh, I may never have seen electricity, but I can see this light bulb. I can see what it does. And so this is what this word means. It's the operation of revealing God's activity. His faith working through love in you and now working through you, and that happens freely. In fact, it is the meaning to life. 
It's what freedom looks like. It looks like the light of life and love shining in the world. It doesn't look like Christians beating each other up and, and arguing over whose sin is worse and all, you know, all this, these different factions and things. Paul says, this is ridiculous. He goes, no, it's all about this. Love. Love. Galatians 5, 7 through 12. You were running well, he says. Galatians, I don't know what happened. You were free. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion, faith, did not come from him who calls you. No, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. You understand that a little bit of the law, a little bit of trying to please God through some kind of obedience or something, any little bit of that is spreads through the whole dough. It ruins the whole thing. I have confidence in you and the Lord that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. Paul's a little upset. But I, brothers, if I still preach circumcision... Why am I still being persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who were troubling you would even mutilate themselves. My gosh. I mean, he really loses himself there for just a moment, but he's so upset about it and for good reason. It was leading people into slavery. Wouldn't you be upset about that? Wouldn't you want to set someone free if you could? And so Paul says that. He says, look, all that they're doing in their flesh is just to make themselves look good in the flesh. He's going to continue on later and say that they don't even do the things they're asking you to do anyway. And he says, look, all, all of this is, all of, all of these, this effort that they're making uh, is in fact to create, it, it's a, the, the cross is a stumbling block to them. God did it all. He finished it all. And it's still a stumbling block for maybe even some of us watching today. You may even hear the words I'm saying and say, well, how can I, it's still a stumbling block to see the cross for what it really was, and it was the end of the race of Adam. It was you, the moment you joined with him, you are no longer a race of Adam. You're no longer a part of the Edemic race. You become something new. That's a stumbling block to those that were trying to keep people under, in, in, under the law. So he says, listen, don't, don't, don't fall for that. And he says, I, I even wish they would mutilate themselves, which he means it. He means, I... Uh, Rather than just circumcising themselves, I wish they would just go all the way. In other words, if you want to show God how serious you are, then why don't you guys go ahead and do that? Then you'll really, we'll really see how serious you are. I mean, Paul's making, I hope, a joke, but at the, at the, at the worst, I mean, he's letting them know how he really feels about this. So then he, he, he concludes today's section of Galatians in this, Galatians 5, 13 through 15. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is, is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, uh, take care that you are not consumed by one another. You know, all of this knowledge that they were gaining from the Judaizers was puffing people up and they were arguing and they were fighting and all of this kind of stuff. And so Paul just says, listen, you were called to freedom. Don't use freedom to fill the knowledge tank up. Don't go, oh, I now know all of this stuff about grace, because you can become a grace legalist, if you will. You can become uh, vicious and, and, and edgy and, and hard, and you didn't say the right words, and, and, you can, and you can lose it, right? It's the same thing. You can make a law out of anything. And so what, what he's saying here is this. Is he goes, look, it's, it's really this freedom, this idea is all summed up in, in, in the thing that Jesus already said, and that's to love your neighbor, to love God. And guess what? You can do both of those things now because it is his heart, his life within you, his love as you just got displayed on a light bulb. It's him now in you. You'll want to do those things. You'll want to go love your neighbor. So Paul addressed two teachings that were, that were errors. One was the Judaizers, and one was probably just a, a, a reaction to it. 
Okay, and one, he says this, that you're not under the law. That's one of the, one of the lies was that you were under it, that you were under the law, and Paul says you're not under the law. And secondly, he says just because you're not under the Mosaic law doesn't mean that you're antinomian or against the law or anti-law or just saying go sin and go do whatever you want because nothing really matters. No, he's saying both of those are ridiculous. He goes, we're creatures of love. If you love, you fulfill the entire law. If you love, there's no desire to go commit sins. And, and if you do, you know where they came from. Well, that wasn't my desire. I would never have done this. Like sin in my flesh took advantage of me. You know, it's an opportunity. Hey, let me, uh, let me, let me restore this. Let me, let, me, let me repair a mistake. But no, that's not who you are. Faith reveals this through love. Love is the greatest restraint against sin. Javen, then what's God? How is he going to keep people all from going crazy? Love, when you really see it and not the earthly kind, when you really see unconditional godly love, oh, the only thing you want to do is rest in his presence. The only thing you want to do is invite people to it. The only thing you want people to do is just see this joy, see this incredible thing that you found. That is what the love of God does. We're going to end with this in Matthew 20, verse 1 through 15. Jesus tells a parable about a landowner. See, God's not fair. The meaning of life is not about fairness. It's about grace. And, and I love this. He goes, look, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius uh, for the day, he sent them into the vineyard. So he made a deal with the day laborers. Hey, guys, you want to work? Yeah, they all wanted to work. All right, I'm going to hire four of you guys. Come with me. And he says, I'll give you a denarius. You know, I'll pay you a decent wage for a day's worth of work. If you'll just get out there and do it. And as the day goes on, he does this like three more times. Uh, about every quarter on the day, every three hours, he goes out and recruits more people. By the end of the day, I mean, it's like four o'clock, quitting times in about an hour. And he goes and he recruits a couple other guys who basically just say, nobody, nobody picked us. We never, got, we never got hired today. He says, come on, let's go. And he hires them. And so then when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, hey, will you call the laborers and pay them their wages? Begin with the last group first. And so he begins to pay out the, the guys that just got there an hour, again, uh, hour ago and the guys in the back who've been working all day long, they're covered in the dirt, their arms are tired, they're, they're sore, and they're looking and these guys are getting paid a denarius. And so when they get there and they put their hand out, they get a denarius and they think to themselves, well, this isn't fair at all. This doesn't make any sense. You, you promised, they expected that the landowner was fair when he was in fact gracious. See, so you'd actually prefer someone to be gracious than fair, but in this world, what you often crave is fairness. The meaning of life, if I work hard, if I do all of these things, and I should be the most spiritual, I should be the most uh, successful, I should be the most whatever, and you have probably found out by now, in the middle of this coronavirus crisis, that you don't get to control everything, and that this is how things often work. And so life isn't fair. Thank God that he, though, is gracious because his grace is so much better than fairness. They continue with the story. He says, look, when they received it, they were grumbling, and they said, oh, man, these last guys only showed up for an hour, and you made them equal to us. We've been out there all day in the scorching heat. But he answered, and he said, friend, am I, am I doing you some kind of wrong here? Did you not agree to work for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. But if I wish to give to this last guy the same as you, if I want to give to just anybody all my money, in other words, is it not lawful that I get to do that? Because I can do that. Is, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? Oof. God wants to be gracious. The Judaizers were saying, no, no, no. It's got to be fair. God says grace is not fair. It's gracious. And thank God that he is that way. 
My, uh, my grandfather was a very gracious person. He was very giving. He was very generous. He helped everybody he possibly could. I mean, the guy was on his deathbed writing checks to people, just giving his money in the same exact way that story. Uh, he reminds me of that landowner. He was absolutely the person that would have gone and hired people just off of his grace alone. And through my grandfather, through Papa, I got to see grace. I got to see faith working through love. And this is the cool thing, is that at the end of the day, when you're at a funeral and you're, and you're listening to the story of someone's life, what's really interesting is, is that most people don't spend a lot of time on the bad stuff. They skip over all of that. Interesting. Most people don't spend a lot of time on even what the person did, all their accolades and all the things they did. There might be a, a section of time that's spent on that. But as someone who does funerals a lot, I can tell you what is often talked about are the stories and the, and the life and the way this person loved well. And, the per and, and at the end of the day, this is really all that matters about life. Your accolades are going to be forgotten. What you did, what you wore at work last week, the fact that you couldn't go to work for you know, months on end and we're all in a crisis together. I don't know. Uh, none of that stuff's really going to matter at the end of the day. What's going to matter at the end of the day is how love was on display through you as you plugged into the source and said, you know what, rather than freak out about a coronavirus, I'm going to sit in my room, talk to God for a few minutes, get this look on my face, and go out into my living room because you can't go out into the world, but go out digitally into the space around you or, go, or yell out to a neighbor across the street and just show them love, pray for them, offer hope, offer the very things that God placed within you and he brought to completion within you so that you could walk out this spirit walk in such a way that the world looks at you and says unmistakably, we've never seen a love like this before. So thank you for joining us online this morning and I want you to look for opportunities this week to, to demonstrate the meaning of life, faith working itself through love, revealing the operation of, of what God is doing through love. He loves you and so do we. Miss you guys like crazy, and I hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next time.